one week we will have our Vesak celebration as mentioned. And then we also have an event on the actual full moon day, Wednesday the 26th. The Vesak commemorates the birth of the Bodhisattva, Prince Gotama, and then on the same day, also the full moon in May, it also commemorates his supreme awakening, Sama Sambodhi, enlightenment, meditating under the Bodhi tree. And it commemorates the third event that also happened on the full moon in May, Maha Parinibbana, the Asesato Nibbana Datu, the remainderless cessation of the five groups of clinging and the remainderless release, freedom, when the Buddha's body died. And we have quite a special Vesak this year, particularly here in Brisbane, because it is a lunar eclipse. And uh, in Brisbane we have full visibility. It's about you know, between 9 and 9.30, and we will see the maximum while the moon is quite high in the sky, unless we have clouds. So we will be having a short session here, 7.30, Dhamma Hall will be open and then we do uh, some chanting meditation and we will go out for a circumambulation of the Bodhi tree and then we will watch the lunar eclipse with the full moon in the sky over the Bodhi tree and then gradually fading off and coming back again. Do you all know the normal astronomical explanation of a lunar eclipse? It's simply, yeah. yeah why, why does the moon vanish? Exactly, no? that the sun, the earth, and the moon are all spheres suspended in space, attracted by the force of gravity, and then due to their orbital movement, the centrifugal force, not balancing that, so they are orbiting each other. Uh, both the Earth and the Moon orbiting the Sun and the Moon additionally orbiting the Earth. And you have basically a situation here is the Sun giving the light, here is the Earth, and the Moon is here. So you have gotten uh, the Earth between the Moon and the Sun. It's basically the same effect, like when you put your hand in front of your face against the sun, then you will be uh, shaded from the hand. So the moon is shaded by the shadow of the planet Earth. And when the moon in its orbit moves into the shadow, then it will gradually, in the first half shadow, then the full shadow, and then it comes gradually out again. So this is the scientific astronomical explanation. There's also an old mythological tradition in India, which we can find in the suttas, 
And there they say that in the eclipse, in the lunar eclipse, the moon deity, and his name is Chanda or Chandima, is being seized by Rahu Asurindo. Asurindo is one of the demigods, the demons, the titans, who have been kicked out by Saka and the other gods from the heaven and they have to dwell in the ocean. A very warlike class of beings. And it's also one of the classes of rebirth. It's considered an unfortunate rebirth compared to humans. And it's similar to uh, Petas and the hungry ghosts. So usually we have the hungry ghosts, Petas, animals, and hell beings, but sometimes the Asuras, the demigods, the titans, are mentioned as a separate class, and you have got four levels below the human. They're usually described as very warlike. And uh, Rahu, who is seizing the moon deity, is described as having the biggest body of all beings. It's very, very big. And I give you now, after we talked about the astronomical version, I thought I read out to your English translation of the explanation what's happening at the lunar eclipse, according to the suttas. At one time, Chandima, the moon deity, had been seized by Rahu, lord of the Asuras. Then indeed, Chandima, the moon deity, recollected the Blessed One on that occasion and recited this verse. So under the moon deity, Chandima, has been grasped by Rahu, the Asura. And he's in trouble now and he is reciting a verse dedicated to the Buddha. I worship the awakened hero, the one who is everywhere released. I have been caught in great distress. Oh, please serve as my refuge now. The Buddha does hear him. Then indeed, on behalf of Chandima, the moon deity, the Blessed One spoke the following verse to Rahu, Lord of the Asuras. So after he, the moon is distressed and he speaks this verse, appealing to the Buddha, the Buddha hears him and he is now addressing Rahu, also in verse. The moon has gone for refuge to the Avahan Tathagata. O Rahu, now release the moon. The Buddhas have compassion for all beings in the universe. So that's all the Buddha is doing. And he tells him, Buddhas have compassion for all beings. And Chandima has taken refuge in me, so please release him. Then Rahu, Lord of the Asuras, let go of Chandima, the moon deity. And with his body trembling in fear, he approached his father, Vipachiti, Lord of the Asuras. So the Gata of the Buddha gave him such a shock that he immediately let go of the moon 
And then trembling in fear, he is running to his father. His father is Vipachiti, another Asura. So he's a real cry baby, as they say. <laughs> running not to mommy, but running to daddy. Having approached, he stood next to him, terrified and with his hair standing on end. Then indeed, Vipachiti, lord of the Asuras, spoke the following verses to his son Rahu, lord of the Asuras, as he was standing next to him. So his father is surprised now, and why is he suddenly doing the cry baby and running to me and shaking with fear? Why, Rahu, do you shake with fear? Why did you let the moon escape? You've come to me all terrified. Why do you stand there so afraid? And now Rahu is answering his father. My head would split in seven parts. I'd never gain real happiness if I did not release the moon when Buddha spoke a verse to me. So which story is the real one? The astronomical explanation with the earth and the moon and the shadow? Or this explanation with the demon getting the moon and he takes refuge and then the Buddha comes and speaks a verse and then he lets him go and cry baby running to his father which one do you believe? You believe the scientific one? I believe both. Can one believe both? So the way I believe both, the scientific one is quite literal. Of course, I'm aware that there's these planets and moon, sun and space and so on. So this is quite scientifically, literally correct. But this story I take to be symbolically. It's a metaphor, an allegory. It has an inferred meaning. It's not meant to be completely literal. And now we have to figure out now what is the metaphorical meaning. First of all, the moon. In Pali, Chandima, Chanda, etymologically, that actually means the shiner, the one who is shining, the one who is radiant. And the moon is the illuminating the night. So I take the moon to be a, a symbol, a metaphor for light for luminosity, for someone who is in a dispelling darkness, and basically the forces of light and good. And it's also well known that the moon is a symbol for our mind. Have you ever heard the term a lunatic? What is a lunatic? Someone who went crazy or psychotic. And they 
it's already in the, the relationship of the mind and it's actually to my knowledge true that and a psychosis can get worse or mental problems can get worse particularly at the time of full moon now the moon is so powerful that it's causing the tides in the ocean now just imagine the mass of water being moved at the tides and that is because of the gravitational forces of the moon and this orbit combination of that so we can imagine that the moon also has some influence on, on our mind and it's often a symboline for, for the psyche for our mind uh, particular for the more the emotional part of the mind I think they also know in uh, hospitals I once read statistics that with the moon phases the death rates are also changing I think usually it's more people dying shortly after the full moon because there's some energy in the drops away. So I take you know, the moon to be a simple metaphor for light, radiance, and the forces of goodness. And I also take it to be a metaphor, a symbol of our mind. And Rahu, you know, the demon or the demigod, what does he represent? The darkness, the evil forces I take in the Rahu to represent the forces of evil, defilements, something that wants to extinguish light, that wants to plunge us into darkness. It's also known in the, in the Vedic Indian astrology as one of the shadow planets, and it stands also for sickness, for deceit, for deception and for many kind of negative influences, Rahu. So I take it to be a symbol for that. Evil darkness, sickness, plunging the world into darkness. That's Rahu. And opposite when he is seizing the moon, the evil forces and the kind of extinguishing the bright quality of goodness. And I'm not sure whether you can remember, has it ever happened to your mind? If you take your own mind being Chandima, and hopefully normally your mind is bright and radiant and clear and white, like the moon in the sky. And has your mind ever been seized by Rahu? Metaphorically, have you ever been depressed? Or have you ever been cowering in a lockdown, being anxious of getting coronavirus? Now, anxiety can have that effect. Now, anxiety, fear can be like Rahu seizing our mind and, and threatening to extinguish the luminous, bright, radiant qualities in our mind. A depression can be like a Rahu. A depression can seize our heart and extinguishing all the happiness and all the brightness. And uh, I think it's particularly relevant if you look back for the last year or getting closer to one and a half years now with the coronavirus pandemic. 
because it feels to me like that has also in the kind the whole world and it was a little bit darkened. I mean, we are extremely fortunate here in Queensland with our climate and uh, we had only short and very successful lockdowns and most of the time we don't have coronavirus here. But right now it is really disastrous in India. It's getting quite bad in Sri Lanka and even in Thailand, Malaysia, it is getting worse. And we don't know that there may be future waves coming or the mutations may be resistant also against vaccinations even, so this thing is not over. In particular, in, uh, say, uh, Europe, Germany, UK, now they had a really tough winter. They usually don't have, uh, or many people don't have, in a nice house like in Australia with a little garden. But many people never confined uh, for extended periods to a small flat and a small apartment in winter when it's quite dark. And I feel this is a very beautiful uh, symbolism there. It's almost like this you know, pandemic and the measures against the pandemic you know, plunging this whole world into, into darkness and extinguishing you know, the light and the joy. And people are overcome by fear and confinement. So it works on both you know, for the whole level of society in a pandemic. In this case, Rahu is like the pandemic and the lockdowns. And there's a danger that it extinguishes the joy and light in our life. But it also works on an individual level. Whether that's a pandemic or whatever reasons, our mind can be overcome by dark states. And the light, the brightness of our mind can be um, seized by depression, extinguished by fear, and so on. So it has a deep symbolical meaning. And now if your mind is being overcome, and you notice, oh, my mind has been seized by Rahu, I'm so anxious that I'm losing all the <coughs> luminance, all the brightness in my heart. Or you get depressed and you're really down, disappointed, frustrated, and you feel you know, that all the light and brightness in your heart is extinguished. What did we learn from this little paveta, this little sutta? Yeah, but what do you have to do? What did Chandima do to get out of it? Yeah, and then first of all, in the Bhagavantam, and remembering the Buddha, recollecting the Buddha, bringing his mindfulness back to the Supreme Being in the universe, which we will celebrate the birth, enlightenment, and passing away of in a week's time. How is it even possible that we occasionally forget about the Buddha, so to speak? The most exalted wisdom and the most exalted perfections of all spiritual power me in the whole universe. But often we forget about him. So that is the first thing, if we ever feel that our mind has been seized by dark states, we have to recollect the Buddha, we have to remember him. And then secondly, in that gatane he takes refuge 
and he takes refuge uh, a little bit more serious. Ne? Take refuge like you mean it, as they say. Ne? Because we all, um, particularly in the traditional Buddhist, you may have done that hundreds and thousands of times, it becomes a little bit ne? just like a, a ritual and a routine. It must goes through the motions. But you can imagine that when the poor moon is being gobbled up by the demon, he really takes refuge, he really means it. So if ever darkness is in danger of taking over our mind, we have to take refuge in the Buddha. And we have to take refuge like we really mean it. And what will happen? Now the Buddha will hear us. Now the Buddha in this sense, the Buddha means awakened. And there's an external Buddha, now that is now the Prince Gautama who attained enlightenment, passed away in Kusinara. Now that is a human being who later became enlightened, attained Nibbana. Now that is the external Buddha, but there's also the internal Buddha. And again, there's a kind of metaphorical meaning in that as well. Not just metaphorical, you know, because we can experience the Buddha in our heart, the quality of awakening. The same experience that the Buddha had under the Bodhi tree, you can have yourself, every one of us, in our own mind, uh, awakening. Understanding the Four Noble Truths uh, and uh, abandoning the asavas, the corruptions based on that understanding of the Four Noble Truths. Now that is the internal Buddha. And the Buddha kind of responding and helping against the darkness now I take that as a metaphor. Now once we recollect the Buddha, once we take refuge in the Buddha, now then we start practicing as well. Because when we do the refuge ceremony, the Buddhangsa, the Nangachami and so on, what do we do immediately as well? What immediately follows the refuge ceremony? Uh, Panchasila, ne? the five precepts, or if you want, even the eight, because it goes together. The taking refuge in the, in the Buddha and then immediately going out and killing, stealing, adultering, lying and getting sloshed, no, that wouldn't be taking refuge, it doesn't make sense. If we do take refuge in the Buddha, and that means that we make a genuine effort to develop virtue. It means that we make a genuine effort to develop generosity and generate good karma, punya, through kindness. Taking refuge in the Buddha means that we are developing mindfulness and sense restraint. It means that we are developing the samatha, calmness and trying to train our mind to focus and unify on a suitable samadhi meditation object. 
taking refuge in the Buddha means that we are in a developing wisdom, understanding that we are first studying the Dhamma of the Buddha to deepen our knowledge intellectually and that we then investigate in our own experience and develop insight, understanding, wisdom so that we can uh, let go of all attachments and that we can cut out the defilements in our heart and that is all triggered and is all part and once we take refuge we set out on that path developing the Eightfold Path now this is so to speak how the Buddha responds <laughs> I don't mean when you get depressed and then you remember the Buddha and you take refuge in him that he comes floating and speaks the gata to you in a literal sense but the quality of the awakening, the quality of awareness will come hopefully floating into your own mind and then taking effect from there. And once that is happening and some of the quality the Buddha represents come to your help, the virtue, generosity, calmness, samadhi, wisdom, insight, knowledge, understanding, what is happening next? Now all the darkness to, that took hold of your mind will become a quiet baby and running away. <laughs> I really like this simile you know, that this powerful demon is supposed you know, to be the biggest being you know, in, in the world system in terms of physical bodies. Rahu you know, stated in, in Anguttara Nikaya. And obviously in a very fearsome, when you look at uh, iconographic representations of Rahu, he obviously doesn't look like a nice guy, like a really fearsome demon. But the power of the Buddha is so great, if you develop the quality of awareness in your mind, if you develop generosity, virtue, samadhi, wisdom, understanding, this is so powerful in that even this mighty demon, the biggest body in the solar system, is becoming a cry baby and just running away. This is how you shake off the darkness. This is how you overcome and defeat the forces of evil in your own heart. Now, this is a real battleground between the forces of goodness and evil in our own heart inside. And uh, if it looks like the darkness wins out, but we recollect the Buddha, we remember him and take refuge, and then the Buddha comes and the qualities of awareness, knowledge, understanding, mindfulness, faith, and so on, start developing in our heart, and then the evil will be expelled, and your mind will emerge radiant and bright again, joyful and happy again. And your mind will emerge just like the moon emerging out of an eclipse. And then you can illuminate the night and the whole world just like the moon will illuminate the beautiful Vesak full moon night after the eclipse is over.
So this is how I believe in both versions, the astronomical explanation and at the same time the Chanda Pavita. And I don't see any contradiction there. I used to chant that as a young monk. We would occasionally chant this. There's, there's another one about a solar eclipse going very similar. And then the sun takes refuge. And somehow I always liked them. When I saw that this Vesak full moon, we have an eclipse, I thought, oh, we have to chant that. But after deciding we have to chant that, I started wondering that people may think it's a little bit weird. If you live in the time of science, the Chinese have just landed a rover on Mars, and I think the NASA is flying this little chopper on Mars, and all the space exploration, and everyone knows nowadays about basic astronomy. And then they go to Damagiri, and they are chanting so that Vahu lets go of the moon. And people may think I'm a little bit superstitious. But then contemplating that, I suddenly realized there's a literal meaning, but there's also a metaphorical meaning. And this is the one the Buddha obviously meant. And I think the people, perhaps even in ancient India, had an intuitive understanding of that. Even in modern Western astrology, the different planets are usually relating to qualities in our mind. The Mars, these very male and warlike qualities, Venus more female and harmony and aesthetics and so on. There's all qualities in our mind. Similar with the ancient Greek gods, the Pallas Athene representing intelligence and Venus representing love and all these kind of things. There's a metaphorical meaning. And I'm not sure, maybe they believed it also literally in ancient India, but I think they had some understanding that this also refers to events in our own mind. And this is how I explain myself in this particular pavita. The nice thing, it always works like a charm. If you do it, the moon always will come out again. And I think it's also a beautiful simile for this whole pandemic. Because it sometimes appears to me that the world has been really kind of darkened by that thing. Fear and lockdowns and tracing and sickness and people can't visit their loved ones even when they're dying. They can't attend funerals, they can't do their weddings. They can't visit the uh, grandparents, great-grandparents, and so on in old people's home. A friend in Germany told me that his mother is confined now for half a year in an old people's home. And she has got two vaccinations, and I think my friend also has got two. And when he visits her, he still can't take her out. It's like prison. And in the old people's home, often you only have a room. You know, don't even have no whole apartment, just one room. So it's like prison. 
So to me, it feels like there's so much darkness going on in relation to this pandemic that uh, the simile of having a lunar eclipse and then taking refuge in the Buddha and the moon coming out and illuminating the night again is very uplifting to me. And my hope is that the same can happen with this pandemic. And that in the whole world, not just here in Queensland, everywhere that people can visit their loved ones again in old people's homes, that they can attend funerals and attend to the dying, that they can meet their friends again and meet in large groups, that they can go to the monasteries. And I think in England they are maybe just slowly opening up and the monasteries were closed. And I hope that this darkness can be can be lifted from our earth, and that we don't have to get traced each time you go in a cafe and have a cup of tea, and that you don't have to register with the government for that. That we can all emerge from that again. That we can get back to a bright and radiant life, and hopefully that symbolism and that pravita can also support that. And I'm sure if the whole world, every single human being in this whole world, really took refuge in the Buddha as if they mean it, I think the pandemic would probably lift. I believe that power would be there. But on the large scale for the whole society, a whole humanity, obviously it's a bit more difficult to apply it because how can you get everyone to take refuge? But the more people, the better the chance that we can emerge. And on the individual level, in our own mind, uh, this is where it definitely works. Now that is a crucial message that we have to take back. Darkness taking hold of our mind. First thing you do is, what? You notice your mind goes dark? First thing you do? Recollecting the Buddha. And before you take refuge, you have to remember him. That sounds trivial, but you will notice when your mind goes dark, you tend to think about dark things. You're not thinking about the Buddha. So it is really important because the mind, when it goes into depression and so on, we tend to only think about depressive things then. So we have to break that. And instead we have to remember the Buddha. And the Buddha here being a symbol for all the paramis he has developed, for all the good and wholesome qualities in our mind. You have to remember that, even if they are obscured. And once we remember the Buddha, what is the next? Taking refuge. Taking refuge like you mean it. Really taking refuge. And taking refuge, what does it mean? What does it imply? What's coming next? Exactly. Now the qualities the Buddha is teaching and he is representing, and if we take refuge, it is natural that we want to develop these qualities. So the moment we take refuge, and if we make an effort to purify our virtue, we make an effort to practice generosity, we make an effort to develop kindness and 
loving-kindness, metta and compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, equanimity, the mindfulness, restraint, gratitude, calm, focus, concentration, insight, knowledge, wisdom. And straight away when you do that, another darkness will let go. And to, be, to turn this powerful demon, because say, depression that can feel like a powerful demon for people who experience it. And often the people feel when the darkness comes into their mind, that it feels so overpowering. And again, Rao is described as having the biggest body of all beings. And when people really struggle, when they're really down, they're depressed or overwhelmed by darkness, this is how it feels. This is huge thing squashing you. But this is so encouraging. This huge thing which seems to be you know, overpowerful can be turned into a little quiet baby running away with the help of taking refuge and developing the qualities of the Buddha. And then your mind uh, emerging again. And the eclipse again is a good simile because you will notice this is not instantaneously. It's not like switching on the light or like you know, the flash on your phone. Or it is you know, gradually coming out. And then it goes into the half shadow and then the um, it's even, I think, a lighter one. And then it fully emerges. So we can't expect that we take refuge now in the Buddha and immediately our mind is bright. But if we stay with that refuge, if we stay developing the qualities, then gradually the mind will emerge. And then you can share your light with everyone. <laughs>